Hello, and welcome back to Brentwood Stories. We have had a variety of outstanding guests so far for our Quarantine Conversation series, and today's guest is no exception. Claudia has been a patron of the Brentwood Library for several years, and today me and Peter get to catch up with her and see how she has been keeping busy during quarantine. We discuss her work at the UN, as well as what audiobooks she has been enjoying. I'm Claudia Joseph, and I've been a member of the Brentwood Public Library for quite some time. Um, I'm, I do miss the library. That was at my second home because <laughs> I was studying for a couple of years. So that was my refuge. So I, you know, kind of missed it. So I have been living in the community for a while, you know, since 2010. And um, as I said, the library is very resourceful for me. Um, I do work in the city. I work with the UN. and But now I work from home. So... That is that that has been a real change in my work dynamics, and I'm on these Zoom calls a lot. So you know they always say, "Oh, put on your um camera, put on your camera." I want to see everybody's face. So that is why I'm so in the habit of using my camera. You know, yeah. Um, I'm in I'm in accounting and finance. Yeah, and that's me. I, I like to read a lot, and especially now that with this um pandemic. I do, my reading has like, I, I, I triple times the amount of reading that I do now because I really do a lot of um, audio, audio books. And I'm doing, one of the things that I'm doing since, since COVID and since this um, um, Black Lives Matter movements and the protesting and so on, is a little bit of research on history, on the background of the history of, you know, of this country. And um, as a matter of fact, right now I am reading lies my teacher told me and I'm so fascinated you know so yeah I, I have increased my reading like a lot a lot a lot basically and that's it are you getting your books electronically through the website or... yes I get a lot of my books from Brentwood um the ones that I don't get from Brentwood I get to Hoopla is it Hoopla yes yes and then worst case I go to Audible <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really wanted, I really wanted that um, Lies My Teacher Told Me, because it was so fascinating. Um, I actually bought that, so I have that for life. How far along in, are you into the book? I'm almost done. I think it was 24 hours. I think I'm on the last hour. Anything particularly interesting that you that you found about the book? It seems like it's a, been a really good read so far. Yeah, well, you know, being from the Caribbean, I didn't really have a full appreciation of American history. And, um, well, some of it I knew, like, you know, the Columbus era and so on, but I'm actually, it's actually very insightful for me because I'm seeing it from a different perspective. A lot of things I didn't know from that perspective, you know, so it's really, really educational for me. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so going back to the, to the quarantine, um, all the way back in March, when when this initially started, did your work life change pretty much immediately for you? Immediately, from I think the second day of March, we have been we get we were given the option to work from home because as you know, the UN is kind of super super cautious, right? So we were given the option to work from home, and by in another day or two, it became mandatory. Hmm. So yeah, so we had to work from home. Um, the advantages of working from home is that I've saved myself four hours per day because it's two hours commuting to the city and two hours back. So I've saved myself those two hours, those four hours. It's a big change actually, because now I don't get to go to the gym anymore. 
because the gym is closed. So um, I, I like structure. So I've actually structured my days. So in the mornings, I wake up at usual 5.30, like if I'm going to work, I go to Hector Park because I find that Hector Park is really big and diverse. And I, you know, you can practice your social distance because you really don't come in contact really. So I go to Hector in the morning and I walk for an hour, hour and a half. And then I come back home, take my shower and then get ready for work at nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to switch off from work at six o'clock. I don't have to, but I try to make it a, 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 a routine to switch off. Because at first, I felt I was working way up into the night, 19 o'clock. I was still at work on the computer. So I had to make a concerted effort to kind of stop at 6 o'clock. Unless it's something urgent. But outside of that, I tried to close off at 6 and to have, you know, family time. It's great that you've been um, so organized during this time. Because I know a lot of people, they've been saying how they've really lost that sense of uh, even knowing what day it is and things like that. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you think when the um, park was closed near the beginning of quarantine? No, well, Heckshire Park wasn't closed, you know, it was never closed. As a matter of fact, we had two parks, Heckshire Park and um, the reservation over in Deer Park. Hmm. So we were doing a lot of, um, a lot over in Deer Park at first, and then we, kind of switch it up the Hector Park. When, when, when I walk with my friends, we, we usually go to over by Deer Park. What is it? Edgewood Reservation, something like that. And there are lots of um, pathways, not regular pathways, but that was very interesting and very nice. So we were kind of fascinated with that at first. But when I'm by myself, I go to Hector Park because, you know, it doesn't lend well to being alone and walking in, in that kind of situation. But I walk alone in Hector Park because you have a lot of, of walkers alone and the place is big and vast and, you know, you can switch it up. You mentioned um, saving a lot of time because of not having to commute over to the city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing, it must be um, saving the money of the having to do the commute. Did you ever have to take the train in or did you just drive? Yeah, I had to. My, my monthly pass was $405 plus a subway. So I've saved that in one instance, but my electricity bill has gone up because <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep my AC on because this is so hot. Well, I try not to eat, eat more, but you do eat more and you do visit the refrigerator more and you do visit the stores more, you know. So overall, it's a saving. But um, yeah. Isn't it the case because you feel like... Uh... You're, you feel like you're saving money in some aspects by not going out or not going to eat out, but mm -hmm. no, you still well, find ways to, yeah. to, to yeah, shift yeah. the resources. Yeah, well, that's, well I, try and, I try to save on the resources because I needed to save on the resources because, you know, in this uncertain climate, you're not sure what, what is going to happen. So I try really to save on the resources. Although I'm not saying that I'm doing a perfectly good job because I do shop still, but I try not to shop online because... When you shop online, it's more impulsive. So I actually like go like to go to Macy's. So I'll go to Macy's and you know walk around and really get some of those good open store bargain back to back to normal bargain. You know. What kind of work do you do at the UN? I never really expanded on that. Yeah, by profession, I'm an accountant. So when I was studying, I actually completed my CPA exams. And um, yeah, so I do. I really do accounting work at the UN. I'm in operations. 
And um, a lot of my work can be done from home. Most of my job involved, you know, the expenditure, the budgeting, the making sure that the allocations to country offices are operational and working and they have resources, you know, that kind of a thing. So my work has actually increased because on top of what you normally have, on top of the work plan, some of the work plan had to be like adjusted for the situation. But um, this is from my experience is that in the field, the COVID was, the COVID outbreak was not as bad as in the US, as in New York in particular, because they were able to still do, you know, still carry on some of their, their programs um, and some of the work that they were doing in the field. So you still have to support them with the finances, you still have to support them with everything else. One of the big hit was travel, where they couldn't travel. As a matter of fact, we had a consultant in, in Sudan and he was due to come back home at, at the beginning of May. And we actually never got him back home until the 12th of July because there was just no flight to get him back, you know? So, yeah, so that is really my work at the UN. Did you expect the quarantine to last as long as it did when it started in March? No, no, we probably say a month or so. But now I'm telling you, I'm not expecting to go back to work for the rest of, to go back in office for the rest of the year. They've told you that not to expect it for the rest of the year? No, they say they would not force anyone to come back in office, but they have a plan, a three-phase plan where persons who can walk to work can walk to work persons who like have one level of transportation to work, like just jump on the subway and get to work. Um, that I think will be in phase two. And then they are thinking of the other phase where if you have more than one level, for example, me, that has to be on Long Island Railroad and then the subway. Um, I w well, nobody will be forced to come back in the office. So I'm not expecting to be back in the office until maybe next year. Any, uh, connections that you reforged thanks to using online communication through Zoom? Have you met with any old family members that you haven't talked with in a while? Well, no, because I'm always talking to my family members. We're oh. always online. Well, there you go. But, but in terms of like Zoom meetings, yeah, we have, well, no, the, the meetings that I have, Zoom meetings that I have are usually meetings that I have in person, hmm. you know? I do have my professional club meetings. I usually have those in person too, but so now we have to have them by Zoom as well. Mm. So um, one of the negatives though that I take from this quarantine is that after a while you're kind of zoomed out, you know, they're having these Zoom Friday evening after work get together and you don't even want to be a part of it because you're on so many Zoom calls, you're just glad to be off, you know? Yeah, I do agree with that. Um, There's been a bit of a Zoom overload lately. Yeah, yeah. So as far as home life goes, uh, one of the questions I always like to ask is, um, I know a lot of folks were used to going to eat out or preparing food outside their homes. So we've had a lot of folks transitioning over to home cooking, while some people, it's just business as usual, and they've always been preparing food at home. Has, uh, has anything changed as far as what you've been making at home food-wise? Well, not a, it's not my change has not been a drastic change because I didn't eat out a lot apart from when I was at work, right? I'll eat out for lunch, but like dining out and so on. No, I, I wasn't a big fan of dining out because I, you know, being from the Caribbean, we like to cook our own food. So um, that hasn't changed much. 
But what I have to do though, in terms of my eating and my meal plan, is that I have to be now be more careful now in how I eat because I don't want to gain any weight. And thank God I haven't gained any, but I, I'm trying to lose, but I haven't lost any either. But the good thing is that I haven't gained. So I have to watch what I eat. I, I have cut out a lot of the carbs because I know that I'm not able to work it off, you know? So, yeah. So I, I'm just more careful in what I eat. And how's the, uh, how's the family been? The family is okay. Well, I live with my son. My son is an adult, you know? So he's, he goes to work. So I work from home. So in the mornings before he goes, he usually says, because I work in my, 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 my desk is in my bedroom in my, you know, so usually pop his head in and said, I'm just checking to see if you're working hard or hardly working, eh? you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I have a mom who is in a home in Fort Jeff and she's one of my major concerns, but thank God she's okay. We're able to visit now, but with a glass door in between. So I'm happy that she's doing well and we're able to communicate like that. That's a relief to hear. No, just just from your perspective, how have you been coping with the COVID? Um, you know, I feel like I've had a little bit of a um, trouble getting used to the uh, routine as well. Mm-hmm. And trying to separate work life from home life at the beginning yeah. was a bit of a challenge because that barrier is gone. So yeah. um, the other aspects, I think I deal with a little bit better than others. I mean... But even as a person that, you know, maybe social interaction isn't at the top of my list, it's, it gets lonely and it gets sad and you get used to seeing some people day after day and when they're out of your life, um, you start to notice and you, you feel that hole in there. Yeah. For example, my friends at the gym, they're, they're some of the ones that I miss the most because I'm seeing them, we're working out together two, three, you know, times per week and you don't have that challenge, you know? And I, 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 although I walk in the mornings, I see some of them at the park, yeah. And um, I bought a, a, a DVD that I can work out with, you know, but that don't really work. You know, that don't work, right? Because you do it once or twice and that's it. It's just like buying a, buying a piece of equipment and keep it at home. After a while, it just gathers dust or just hangs a towel or something, you know. So I have to be out to really work out, uh, you know. So I miss, I miss the interaction too with my friends and so on. And sometimes even when you talk on the phone, it's just not the same. It's not the same. No, definitely not. Um, and one you... of the things that I had to get adjusted to was in terms of working on my computer. I mean, I'm, that, that's my life. That's where I work, the computer. But at work, I have two big screens that are is attached to my computer. So coming home with this little 14-inch screen, it was a real challenge. So I had to get myself a big screen. So I went to Walmart and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I bought myself a big 27-inch screen, curve. So it helps. It helps with the work. I'm telling you, it helps. You're going to, you see, this is, this is the impulse buying thing again. I'm just going to go on Amazon now and say, how have I been working this entire time without a 17-inch curved screen? <laughs> and just, it, it'll... You know, Prime is back and working again, so it'll be here tomorrow, and it'll just be yet another impulse buy. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame you for that one, just so you know. No, don't blame me. No, <laughs> if you don't, no, if you don't need it, don't buy it. But I needed it because I work with a lot of Excel spreadsheets and a, and a lot of numbers. 
So the small screen really limits me, you know? Since we're recording this for the hopes of showing, or at least having folks listen to this sometime, maybe in the near future, maybe in the far future, and they dig up this old episode and they want to know about our lives right here. Is there anything that you'd want to share with them about our experiences? Yeah, um, with the COVID, it's, it, it has changed. It has changed the way you look at life. Um, you realize that some things that you used to do and think were so important wasn't that important. And you're, and you're forced, to, forced to refocus on things that really makes a difference in your life. Yeah. For example, you think that, you know, getting up every day and going to work and reaching work on time and so on. You realize that you have to rethink all of that. It's not about getting up. I mean, yeah, getting up and working, but it's, 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 it's really about getting the job done, you know, irrespective of where you are and how you have to do it. So one of the things that looking back, I'd probably want to be remembered for is is how it has changed your my outlook on life. And know that it is important to be in touch with the persons that are important to you, to do the things that make you a better person. I mean, I don't mean that, that sounds generic, but what I mean is that to focus on the things that keep you alive, keep you going and is important to you. For example, going to church, I miss going to church. Now I'm back at church, I have a better appreciation for church. And it's not the building. It's just about being together in one space with persons that think the same and have the same um, belief system that you have, you know? So it, it, yeah, so that is what I would probably want to, persons looking back to see how COVID had changed, changed me and changed me for the better. And to really um, to kind of filter out things that are not that important that usually occupies a lot of time or space in your life. When we return to um, whatever the new definition of normal is, whenever that might happen, um, mm -hmm. is, there, is there anything on the top of your list that you're looking to do? You say, I can't wait to go out and do this. Uh, <laughs> I've never really given, I, I'm, not, I'm thinking through what I wasn't really actually there yet. I'm trying to see what, I'm knowing that definition stage. I'm trying to define what is it that I really want to accomplish when all this is over. Um, well, yeah, one of the main thing is to, um, you know, really focus on my career and um, and really go out there and do what I need to do within like a like a five year span because I really want to retire. <laughs> I really want to retire early and um, and to and and to really yeah to retire early so I can go out and live the life that I want to live, the retirement life that I want to live to travel to go places to meet people and so on because you know most people like when they think of retiring think of retiring and sitting back so I'd want to focus on my career meet my targets and retire early couldn't put it any better honestly. Have you been um, enjoying a lot of the online programs at the library? No, not really, because I have to work. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of the books, though. I'm reading a lot. Then I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of the things that I, yes, that I say, you know, now that I'm at home, I'm going to take the time to learn up about this movement and what, what has, you know, what has caused it, what has brought this on, 
and where is it coming from? Because it's not new, but where was it and why did it? I mean, we know what sparked it, but why now? You know, things like that. Yeah. What were your thoughts when it first happened, the movement? Um, because I'm not, uh, I wasn't born here. I did. I wasn't schooled here. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of gaps. So one of the things that this, so I was doing some research, you know, online and so on. But at the same time, it's not everything online that you can, you know, take as gospel. So um, some of these books that I've been reading, they have been really like opening up my mind, you know, helping me to look at the broader picture, wider picture. And then, but this one that I'm reading now has really like made the biggest impact on in terms of the history, because yeah. a lot of things that I'm reading, I didn't know. Hmm. So that makes you see things in a different light when they happen now, I guess. Yeah, because when I came here 10 years ago, um, well, 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 even back home, um, we're taught that, you know, you can achieve anything that you want to achieve. You just have to go for it. And um, there were no barriers, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you, you could do it, um, you could um, fathom it and you have the support, then you can go for it. But now that I'm reading here, I realized that this wasn't always the case here. And um, so when I, come, when I came here, I said, no, I have to do this. I have to um, achieve whatever I need to achieve. And, um, and I'm on my way, you know, I'm trying and I'm doing it. And I, I've never ever felt that I couldn't do what I wanted to do, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, because I've always said to myself, why does... Why, 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 why is this a problem? I can understand why there is a problem with, with developing countries, right? I can understand, I understand that, that dynamic. But when I come here, this is a first world country. Why do you have people with such low morale, people who think that, you know, um, give up, like they actually give up on life. It's oh. like, I was expecting to find people bursting with energy, you know, reaching for the moon, especially uh, among African-Americans. And I find that it just was not so. And, but now um, with, this, with this movement, and I'm forced to look back at to see what is driving it and so on. And now I have a better understanding and appreciation. So when I speak now, I am better able to articulate a better position, you know? Hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's when you have a book that you can read and learn something and enjoy the book, but it's even it's even even greater experience when you read a book and it completely changes the way you see things. You see things that you never thought of looking at in that way before. Yeah, and and that's and as I said, that's not the only book I read. I even I even you know being an accountant, I am I'm always looking for financial opportunities, so I'm reading a lot of books. Um, I even finished reading the other book last week. I will, I will make you rich. I will teach you how to be rich. You know, I, I read all of those, all of those. Wow. Think and grow rich. Um, oh, you know, those, the millionaire next door, you know. So I'm like on a path because I want to retire within the next five years. So I'm looking at all angles. So throwing history in the mix was kind of a good, you know, mix. Very nice. And the... Which of the um, financial books did you like the most? Well, it's not that I, I don't know if I like any book the most, but what I find is that 
the readers, the, the authors, they have, they are coming from different perspectives, right? Because um, the, one, the, the one that I just finished reading that says, um, I will teach you how to be rich. I will teach you to be rich. I understand that he's speaking from a perspective that you grow up, you're born here, you go up here, you went to the school system, and then this is the methodical way to go. Yes, it affects everybody across the border. But like somebody like me in my 40s, I am not, I am, I don't have 40 years to to acquire what I need to acquire. I probably have another 10, 15 years max, right? So some of the things that he talks about and compounding and so on, I don't have 30 years to compound. I have about 12 years to compound I'm compounding, right? Mm. So, yeah. And, and, and there are others that say, you know, you, you, as long as you're starting, it's okay. As long as you're doing something about it, it's okay. So is, is that I like anyone the best, but just that they come from different, different angles, different well, perspectives. It depends on what your situation is for which the best one for you is. It might not even apply to certain people. Exactly, exactly. Because the one that says, um, I will teach you how to be rich. Yeah. I asked my son to read that book. My son is 25. So I mm. said to him, I'm reading this book and I think it would be great for you. You know, I think it would be great for him. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a good book and there are a lot of things that I take from it, but I think it is more for him than for me. Have you found one that you feel is directed towards you yet? Um, let me see. <laughs> um, I like... I like, um, I like, well, I'd, re I'd read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series some time ago. And, um, oh. but um, the one that I really like, that I think speaks to me, speaks to me um, a lot is, um, you know, the cash, the, 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 um, the millionaire next door, that one. That one, the next millionaire next door, that one speaks to me a lot. Hmm. I, don't, I don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah, you should. Be. Well, basically what it is saying is that um, a lot of the things that we think we need, we really don't need. For example, you don't need to drive the latest vehicle. You don't need to buy the newest car if, if you can't afford it. It's better, it, it is better for you to say, buy a five-year-old car, pay for it fully, and then save what you would normally pay in your car payments. You know, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't have to live. You don't have to live in Beverly Hills. You can live exactly where you are and be comfortable. And, and you probably use that money to go do what you want to do. Go travel the world. Go, you know, things like that. A lot of the richest people, they don't live very extravagantly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is why they are saying that the millionaire, the person next door to you could be a millionaire, although they're probably living very frugal life. Hmm. Warren yeah. Buffett, who is the world's richest man, I, he was known to uh, live quite frugally. In addition yeah. To a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Warren Buffett. Let's see if either of you can guess it. What is Warren Buffett's favorite drink? I don't know. Water? I'm going to go tap water, yeah. Huh? <laughs> no, it's uh, Cherry Coke. Oh, really? Cherry Coke. Okay. Res respectable choice. 
<laughs> I'm more of I'm more of a cherry ginger ale sort of guy. I'm more of a ponang string girl. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> I remember during the uh, beginning of the quarantine, that was something that was really hard to get. Um, oh yeah, water and the uh, paper towels and some of those things. Were there any of those items that you really uh, stocked up on when it was first yeah. starting? I stocked up a lot on water um, because I always had um, like you know um, ample hand towel because I usually like go to Costco and buy those big things. But I, I was reading an article on 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 the psychology behind um, paper um, toilet paper that um, when we are in a crisis, we feel like we need to do something. We can't just sit and do nothing. So mm. like stockpiling toilet paper is one of the activity that add zero value, zero value to whatever you're stockpiling. Really? So it's yes, more about the action than it is about the value yeah, of the item. Yeah, about yeah, more about the action than the substance, yeah. And toilet paper was the item that had to suffer for that, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, and and what I, I I wasn't in a panic mode because as I said, I'm from Jamaica and we have lots of hurricane. Almost every year you have hurricane, oh, so man. you have to stock up. And you know that as small as Jamaica is, within three four days after the hurricane, things are back to normal. You might have a shortage for a little bit, but it, it comes back. Have you heard so, from your relatives or friends in Jamaica about how this has hit? Have they been less affected by it because they're used to things like hurricanes no they 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 were not impacted that much by the the panic buying but they 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 had a good handle on the epidemic before before us and um there were only about um the last figure i heard in terms of death deaths were 11 i mean it could be under somewhere under 20 but yeah, they didn't have a lot, a lot of cases. It was in the hundreds because Amazing. I think they closed the borders early and they mandated per person to stay off the road. And, you know, in those smaller states, it's easier to, to manage. Like, for example, they, in areas that had cases, they had curfew, you had to be off the road um, by X time and you had no choice. It was just mandatory. It's not like how people here say, oh, I have rights and I have this and that. People just come off the road, you know? Mm. So it, it wasn't such a big problem. And even now, I have friends that are going down, like going down for like funerals and so on. And they tell me the process that they had to go through. They say when they were traveling in the States, they never had to go through all of that. You know, they had to, once they came off the plane, they, got, they, they, they sanitized them down and they did a COVID test before they leave the airport. And within two days, they're calling to, to give them the status. And they had, you know, they had to quarantine until they couldn't move until... They got the result. Yeah, so I think they had a pretty good hold on it early. So and it wasn't so bad. Doesn't And Jamaica, a lot of its uh, economy is based on tourism, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that must have been difficult, that, that aspect, I would think, too. Yeah, that, they got hit with tourism. But one of the things that we have to understand is that um, tourism is one of their main products, but a lot of the tourism dollar a lot of it doesn't trickle down to the economy. I mean, you know what I mean? It doesn't really trickle down. So 
I think the multinationals get a bigger hit than the actual, you know, citizens. Oh, I see. But um, what got a hit too, you know, they live a lot on remittances, right? So remittances from this state, from, you know, from relatives and so on. So oh. that went that went down too. But they didn't have a big shutdown like how we had a big shutdown here in New York. Hmm. They shut down, but people are able to go to work um, and just be off the road if you don't have to be on the road. I realized working at the UN too, I was wondering if you had a feeling of your fellow workers there of what their opinion was, because there's this, and you said that the UN closed fairly quickly, but there was this feeling that um, the UN and other organizations like that, they were very, um, they were advocating to close and be very cautious very early, whereas a lot of countries like to a degree the United States and certain other countries we're actually arguing with the UN and saying, no, we want to keep things going like normal, get back to being open as soon as possible. Did um, did any of your friends or anything have any opinions like, oh, that's terrible or something like that? I don't know. No, like, people, people are happy to work from home. We're, we're actually glad that we're working with the UN. <laughs> you know, we're kind of happy that we have we, that that's our um, employer. In yeah, the sense that they took it serious. countries that weren't like the UN, that they were trying to stay open and stuff. Did you have any thoughts about that? Um, well, no, not, not really. Most of my colleagues that I talked to, especially like I spoke to some of my colleagues in Africa and some that were in um, Italy. Italy oh. was bad, yeah, really was bad. So they had no choice. We had offices in Geneva and in Brussels, and they had closed, but they were not as bad as us in New York. Eventually, they went back to work, went back into the office. And um, but in terms of um, forced to open, forced to go to work, I know not 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 from the office point of view, but maybe other other field, other maybe the the local government in in the areas probably didn't want to close on our entity. But in terms of the UN entities, they had um they had sent out bulletin very early that, you know. Um you yeah. said, um May second or May twelfth? No, March. Oh, March March second or third was I when they actually um started talking about it and I had opted to go to work from home. But within two days you didn't have a choice. You had to just stay home. And the UN also wanted to reduce office space for a long time. Oh. A lot of those um, buildings that they have done, apart from the, the building on the waterfront, quite a bit of them are rented. Because, you know, we have about five or six buildings that, that are rented. And they wanted to give up some of those office space because they wanted to spend less on rental and more in the field. So they have been, they have been toying with this idea of telecommuting for a long time. So the COVID has just given that a, a giant shove in the right direction. Yeah, there's so, a there's so, a reckoning yeah. coming when it comes to office spaces and yeah, shared work so, environments. Right. So there's now let's see what is possible from home, you know? Exactly. I think a lot of places are really being pushed because um even with our library, like some of the things that we've been doing, I feel like they're things that people would always be talking about as ideas and now all of a sudden there's not really yeah. a discussion. You just have to do them. I have I have friends from my 
from my professional group, my accounting group, because I'm a member of the ACCA of the UK, um, the Chartered Accountants in the UK. And I have friends in, in, in Florida. And like one of my friends is a, is a partner in, a, in an auditing firm. And he had to, he, you know, they, they were kind of very rigid because they have to be at the client's office, you know, to check the books and so on. But now he's saying that they had to rethink all of that. And now, he, you know, they operate on a more of a flexed, flex hours in order not to have everybody. They can't be so rigid. They were forced to adjust and adapt to the new situation. You seem to really be enjoying the uh, new situation, but um, I wonder if, uh, is, is your friend glad that he has to uh, be flexible and to adjust? No, he says that it's more work. It's more work because being an auditor, because, you know, they are from the other side, the auditing side, being an auditor, you know, you normally have to go and check the client's book and discern things and cross-check and double-check. And they they now have more work. But but what he what the point he was making is that normally we are so rigid when they are doing an audit, because sometimes you have to be at the client, you know, you go to work like nine o'clock. And when everybody leaves at six, maybe the audit staff stay until eight, nine o'clock just to finish the audit on time and so on and do what they have to do. And now they're saying that they can't do it like that anymore. So <clears throat> what they can do from home, they work from, he's now flexible with his staff to say, okay, I work from nine to 12, um, 12 to four, I'll be out of the office and then I'll join back at, you know, seven to, you know. So he's more, he's more, <clears throat> he's more adept to flexible hours. Yeah. But it's actually more work for them and uh, more risk as well. And the personality of a, an auditor, you would think, being basically someone who checks that everybody's following the rules is sort of the opposite of everything, just being uh, very flexible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he says that was a big change for them. So, so that is something that they're working through. So um, I think we're, we're hitting about the, yeah, I think so. We're at the seven o'clock mark right now <laughs> and it has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for your time. And um, I hope to, to meet with you again sometime soon. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Well, it's been a have pleasure. A great, have a great evening. You take care. Okay? Bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you again to Claudia for sitting down with me and Peter. And also thank you to everyone who has kept in touch with us during quarantine and those who may have discovered the library during their time at home. And thank you as always to the Brentwood Historical Society for making the Brentwood Stories podcast possible. Today's music is once again brought to you by Dr. Turtle. Check out all of his free music over at freemusicarchive.org.